thank you father yes we come to you this evening where else can we go father we've gathered in your name trusting your promise which said where two or three are gathered in your name i will be there in your midst and we believe that promise and therefore we are here this evening and therefore we welcome you spirit of god father teach us there's only one teacher oh lord that is you your spirit Father, I pray, Lord, you would teach us this evening, O Lord. Speak to our hearts, anoint us afresh, not only just to speak, O Lord, but to hear and empower us to obey. Father, transform us into your likeness. Father, incrementally, daily, O Lord, even as we surrender ourselves, O Lord, Father, to your will, being revealed through your word, I pray, Lord, it will quicken us in the inner man. Father, that you will begin to write your laws, in the deepmost parts of our inner man oh lord and you would cause us to walk in your in your ways even as you pr- promised us oh lord father that you would do in the new covenant thank you father thank you father for this time surrender each one of us into your hands beginning with me oh lord cleanse me father use each one of us oh lord and lord i pray that the word that is impressed oh lord father let it be impressed in our hearts let it just take hold it take root in our hearts oh lord and let it bear fruit in our lives. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at uh, last Wednesday and uh, last Sunday as well. We looked at in whose image that we were made. That was the title of last Wednesday's message. And we were there last Sunday. Put all, putting, putting away childish things. That is what we were taught. And just want to continue on that this evening. I, was, I titled... My message, put off, put on, put off and put on. We'll try to see. We've seen this several times, but the the word of God is multidimensional, infinite. So you'll always speak to us afresh if we surrender to him. Put off, put on. It's text that we want to look at today, primarily from which, uh, from where we'll uh, launch ourselves into the message in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 onwards. Very familiar passage. We all know it. Let's look at it for the millionth time together. And we know, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are, are we called according to his purpose. For whom he, for why? Why do all things work together for the good of those who love God? Why? Why do they work together? Because, that's the fourth statement there, for whom he has for whom he foreknew or whom he has foreknown, he has predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. I want to just look at that particular word. Image of the son. God made us in his likeness when he created us. In the likeness of God he made us. Male and female he created us. And when, when we sinned, that image of God was marred. And when Jesus came as the last Adam, the second Adam is conforming us back through the Spirit of God to the image of His Son. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Keep that in mind. Look at verse 29 again. Conform to the image of His Son. Alright. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. You've seen that verse, word several times. And whom He justified, these He also Glorified. You see that 
last Sunday's message, uh, last Wednesday's message, the last part. It's like a long key. Justification, glorification, and what do you have in the middle? Sanctification. So, long process. And what is the ultimate aim of sanctification? We are justified and then we will be glorified. But the process of sanctification has to result in something that we should be conformed to the image of His Son. That is the whole process of sanctification. So, to whom all is He promising that He is going to conform us to the image of His Son? And by the way, when He say, when we say being conformed to the image of His Son, by the way, that is non-negotiable. One man of God said, the purpose is just not to forgive your sins. Because forgiveness of sins was even available in the old covenant. The purpose of forgiveness or the, the reason why God justifies us, there is a purpose. The purpose is to conform us to the image of His Son. And 1 John chapter 2 will say, if we say that we love Him, we should also walk as He walked. Is there any other provision for us? There is no plan B. This is plan Plan. This is the plan to conform us to the image of his son. And to whom does he, does he promise this? These he also called. These he also justified. These he also glorified. So everyone whom he has called, everyone he has justified. He also justified now. And all those whom he has called and justified, them he also no, glorified. So, he will he glorify us or he is already glorified us? What is the tense? He is already, these he also has glorified. Glorified. He is not going to glorify us. He is already glorified. Meaning, everyone whom God calls into his kingdom, the purpose is that he will conform us to the image of his son. And he has already glorified us. That is to everybody positionally. Whether functionally we'll, we'll uh, attain to that is a different ball game altogether. That is, what, that is what he's going to do. And who is the son? We looked at this. Who is the son? Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. So if he is confirming us to the image of his son, and who is the son? He is the image of the invisible God. Therefore, he is confirming us to the image of the son, who is the image of God. And therefore, he is confirming us to the image of God. Got that? Look at that. Another another passage in the uh, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. Spoken to us through his son in these last days, who is the brightness of the father's glory and the exact or the express image of his person. That is what he wants us to become. Think about it. He wants us to become like Jesus. Non-negotiable. That is the whole purpose of justifying us, forgiving us our sins. See, if you think that your salvation is only forgiveness of your sins, Baba, this is not, this Christianity is not for you. This is the whole purpose. He justified us so that He will conform us to the image of His Son and therefore He will glorify us. That is it. Let me show you to reinforce this argument 
justification to glorification and the connection between justification, glorification and to be conformed to the image of his son. Let me reinforce this argument, okay? We need to always reinforce arguments from the word of God. Colossians chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. Look at what it says. The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from the generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. What is that? To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, that is the hope of glory. So, justified, glorified. What is the hope of your glory? How much of Christ has been formed inside of you? That is the hope of your glory. Let us see another argument, right? Colossians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Therefore, scripture always, we know this verse. What is this verse? 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Where am I going? Verse 5. This is a famous verse. We have looked at it millions of times. So we'll millionth on the first time. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Unless indeed you have been disqualified. No, when Paul uses this word, unless you have been disqualified. And then, you know, he to pacify us, he says, I trust that you are not disqualified. (laughs) But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So what does it tell me? What is sanctification? It is about the work of God in you, but not necessarily through you. Or in, a, in, a, in other words, it is a work of God. The work of God through me should be a reflection and extension of the work of God in me. Therefore, this is the whole thing. Look at what uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 18. This is Paul's statement and I, I want that to be mine as well. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought. Or by me. To make the Gentiles obedient by word and by deed. So, so, our glory therefore is directly proportional to the amount of the formation of Christ inside of us. See, ultimately everybody will be glorified, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 42, 42 will say, there are also celestial bodies, That is heavens, new heaven. And there are terrestrial bodies, new earth. But the glory of the heavenly is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon. Moon is reflected glory, obviously. We all know it from science. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also the resurrection of the dead. So... Not everybody will be conformed completely to the image of his son. What we reflect on that day is how much of the work of God we have allowed in our lives progressively. You need to understand, justification as pastor said was very fast. Glorification in a twinkling of an eye, very fast. Sanctification, Baba. It is incremental and delta x is very small. Very, very, very slow sometimes. And you can speed it up. It's not that, you know, sometimes, you know, this is a, these are all spiritual things. Spirit, you can grow very fast. It's not, unlike biological age, 
spiritual age can be, you can grow very fast because it is timeless, you see. It is how much of God you allow to work in your life. You have allowed him to work in your life. But it is a slow process. We are all heading towards that incrementally. And I like, I like uh, C.S. Lewis. He says this very interesting, beautiful anecdote. Uh, that's a, it's a book uh, called uh, Mere Christianity and one chapter called Let's Pretend. The title of the chapter is Let's Pretend. In that, he's talking about glorification okay, in a very beautiful way. He says, most of us want glorification to be like the beauty and the beast. We are all beastly. And then the lady comes and kisses us and immediately we are transformed into the handsome prince. That's what you want glorification to be. He says, no, sanctification to be. But you know what he says? It's not like that. It is like this man who had an ugly face. He didn't like his face. So what did he do? He put on a mask on his face. A mask was beautiful. He kept on putting the mask on his face. And for over a period of several years. And after several years, he took the mask off. You know what happened? The beauty of the mask came transformed. That's exactly what we do. That is what the title is put off, put on. You know, we want beauty and the beast transformed. It's not going to happen. It's incremental. It's a slow process. And there is, and it is frustrating how much of Christ I would want to have in my life. I would have, I mean, I've been in Grace Tabernacle for 10 years now and I mean, more than 10 years because I've known pastor for more than 10 years. So technically I've been here for 10 years. Think about it. Now I'm a, how much of the Christ? I'm frustrated. Boy, boy, I would want to be there. I'm nowhere there. You see, it's slow. It is incremental. But how do we attain to this sonship as they call? And we have only one pattern son as the theologians call. Theologians call him the pattern son. Who is the pattern son? Jesus himself. So even Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. My Our pattern ultimately is the pattern son, Jesus himself. So how did he attain to sonship? There's a question that I want to answer. So we know it from scripture. This is Romans chapter 8, verses 16 to 17 onwards. The spirit himself bears witness with the spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we, what? Suffer. So the entire process of sanctification involves incredible amount of suffer, suffering. I mean, this is not suffering like, uh, like we, it could involve like the, like the, uh, like the lady who is, you read it in the, in the morning devotion who lost her husband and she suffered and she understood what it is. But it may not be that for all of us. Our suffering would be different. See? If you suffer with him, the whole process of sanctification is wrought through the process called a suffering. And what is suffering? We'll try to define that in a few minutes before we go there. How do we attain to the sonship? Look at this. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. He's talking to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. He says, then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones and what? Slow of heart to believe in the pro- in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have what? Suffered these things and then enter into his glory. The only way he could Enter into glory is through go to the process of suffering. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8. Look at what, how, how did he, how did he, uh, suffer? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 5. It's a very famous, uh, uh, verse. We all know it. Though he was a son, yet he, imagine Jesus had to learn. That's exactly what he did. He learned. He emptied himself of 
everything, when he actually emptied himself, meaning whatever he knew, he forgot. He just left it. Now, not, 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 he did not forget. He just, he says, I want to learn as a man in human form. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Oswald Chambers. Let me read this for you. Okay. So this is uh, Wednesday. So a lot of quotations. Yeah, me too. Understand. Look at what it says. Oswald Chambers. This, this is what in his book, The Utmost for the Highest. Uh, this is in December 4th. Uh, you can read that. To maintain good health, I must sufficient, I must have sufficient internal strength to fight off the things that are external. Meaning what he's saying is, even if I want to grow physically, one of the things that I need to constantly do is I have to work against forces which are actually thwarting my growth. Everything outside my physical life is designed to cause my deaths. The very elements that sustain me while I'm alive work to decay and disintegrate my body once it is dead. Similarly, anything that does not strengthen me morally is the enemy of virtue inside of me. So if I really want to attain, look at this word. What is this? Everybody read that please. Virtue. Notice that. Okay, just keep that in mind. Virtue is the enemy. So if I want to really grow in sonship, if I want to attain virtue, if I want to really, really be morally strong, I need to go against the tide. That's what we were taught on Sunday. It's easy to go downstream, but it is very difficult to go upstream. And the growth is only possible anywhere, even mentally. Remember? How do you study? I mean, how do you gain mental knowledge? How do you increase in mathematics? You have to sit and concentrate and most of the children they wriggle and wriggle and they do this and they do that. They do not want to concentrate. And what they have to do is bring all the faculties of their energies, concentrate, learn against everything that is asking them to fight that. See? Okay? So, Anything in the mentally or spiritually or physically, you are going against the forces which oppose that growth, and it is never easy for us to do it in our own strength. When Pastor was talking about this, look at look at Susanna Wesley. This is what she told her son or children, both Charles Wesley and John Wesley. They asked him, asked her this question: What kinds of entertainment are okay for us? Should we not watch movies or should we watch movies? What kinds of books to read, not to read? I mean, I'm just quoting it in the modern context, okay? Which kind of, should we watch Big Bang Theory or should we watch Friends or not watch Friends? Okay? Yeah? Should we watch this, not? What kind of entertainment we should involve ourselves in? And she had one rule. She said, whatever weakens your reason, impairs, and this is, Ravi quotes this in many of his sermons, and I'm, this is not my own, I'm quoting what Ravi quoted, and therefore quoting Susanna, okay. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, and look at this, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, thing is sent to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. And she got it, right? (laughs) I mean, she got Romans. She got Romans chapter 12. She just paraphrased it and she told me, she is a theologian, Baba. 
mothers become theologians and would, would be mothers. I mean, ladies, there is no excuse for you. Maybe you will not be called to come and share from the pulpit, but it is no excuse that you should not be theologians. You know what? Timothy is both grandmother and mother with theologians. And that is what he told, Paul tells about Timothy, he says, from the infancy, from infancy, you are taught the scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So when Paul had to just come and say, Timothy, and you know what, one of the, one of the least troublemakers in Paul's co-workers was who? Timothy. Because right from childhood, his will was bent toward God. And who actually caused that? Mothers, theologians. She is a theologian and we, we know where John Wesley and Charles Wesley got their theology from now. See that? The famous song, Oh for a thousand tongues to sing, my great redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King and the power of his grace. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoners free. The, his blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the powers of, and the riches of his grace. This is, this is Charles Wesley. They, they knew their theology and they got it from their mother, mostly. So, what is this process of being, what constitutes, if you will, this process of being transformed into the image of his son? What is the quintessence Okay, the quintessence of being transformed into the image of his son is to increase the authority of the mind over the body. You got it? Not the body of the mind. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. We'll talk about the, the what constitutes transformation. We know this face verse. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis are being transformed into the what image? Same image from glory to glory. From faith to faith, glory to glory. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what is he doing? By the Spirit, he's transforming us into the image of the Son from glory to glory. So even as you progress in your walk with Lord, at one stage you stop. That will be your glory. Romans chapter 2. He will render to every man according to his deeds, to those by patient continuance in doing good. Seek for what? Glory, honor, immortality. He will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury, tribulation and anguish to everyone who does evil, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Glory, honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is not the hearers of the law who are justified, but the doers. Keep that in mind. So he's transforming us from glory to glory, step by step, incremental, as I said, incremental transformation. But you know what? We all have to cooperate with Jesus. Those whom he has called, he has justified, he has also glorified and how much will be glorified is dependent upon how much we surrender to. And it doesn't matter what is what your age is. You can start even today. That's the whole point. 
That's the good news. So Romans chapter 2. So what constitutes, so what constitutes transformation? He's transforming us to the image of his son by the spirit of God from glory to glory. How is he doing that? How is this transformation being wrought? Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be metamorphosized by the what? By the renewing of your mind. So what constitutes transformation? It is the renewing of your mind. We looked at it some time back. Several nuances I want to pose it today for you. So, how does he change us? It's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. You know the famous song? A wormy caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Remember that whenever butterflies flutter by. Okay. So, they all change from how is it possible? How is it changing? By he's changing it, us by the renewing of our mind. And what about the mind that has to be changed? Let us look at this. This is where we get this uh, uh, the title of the message from. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 onwards. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay? All our children will be taught of the Lord. Okay. And great will be their peace. They will be disciplined, discipled, taught of the Lord. And great will be their peace. So that you, so what happens? What, if what have you been taught? That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the, so mind has a spirit or an attitude. A mindset, okay, that mind has a mindset, it has an attitude of the mind that you may, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So between putting off and putting on, what is there? Be renewed in the, ah, you got it? To be renewed in the spirit of mind is between putting off and putting on. So, how do I put on progressively? Is by renewing my mind progressively and especially this fellow called the spirit of my mind. The mind has a mindset. It has a pose. It has an attitude. I told you, right? What is that? Where did you see this pose? Vivekananda. He's got an attitude. They have a mindset. So what should you be transformed? You should be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that is how transformation takes place incrementally. That is the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make. With them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Other translations will say, inscribe them. You know, I love the way uh, C.S. Lewis puts it. It's like, you know, uh, a child who wants to learn the alphabet. So what do you do? 
I, I, my mother, how to, you know how my mother taught me nowadays we don't do that anymore. But my mother took that slate and the bulbum, okay, chalk piece. Ah, so how did she do? She held my hand like that. Who's writing? Mother is writing. But who's writing? I'm writing. Who's writing? My mother is writing, but who's learning? I am learning. That's exactly what he does. He takes a spirit and he uses a spirit and he starts writing his laws in the, in the, in our minds, inscribing them over and over and over again so that it becomes a part of our nature. Okay? Got that? That is what he's going to do. This is a new covenant. Learning old things. But something which has to be reiterated over and over again. So what is the first thing that you have to put off and renew? See, put off the old man. Put on the new man. In the middle, what is there? Renew your mind. How do you put off? Take off something. Renew your mind and accept something. You got that? What is the first thing he asks us to put up there for? I'll look at possibly three or four things today. Even as time, how much, I mean, let's see how much time permits, I do not know. The first thing. Therefore, the first thing he asks us to put up is what? Lies. You know, the most stubborn spirit among most believers is the lying spirit. Put off lying. Let each one of you speak truth to your neighbor. And how do you, how is each one of you written? I mean, this one. What is this called? Inverted commas, right? So what is it there for? Yeah. How many of you read your Bible? Otherwise we have your reference Bible. What is it? What is it? What is it? If it is in the inverted commas, what is he doing? Yes. He's actually quoting from the old covenant. Okay, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we are members for of one another. It's a very interesting word in, in, in the Greek. You know, that is the reason why the New Testament is written in the Greek. What is the word for lying in the Greek? Pseudos. Pseudos. It's amazing. I'll try, I'll try to understand, I'll try to tell you the nuances of the, of the meaning. What does pseudos actually mean? It's just not speaking the lie. Speaking the lie is pseudomai. That's a verb form, pseudomai. Speaking the lie. Speaking a lie. To lie is to pseudomai. Pseudos is a lie. It's a noun form. Okay. So, you're speaking the lie with your neighbor. What should you do? Instead of doing that, speak each other. I mean, what should you speak to one another? Truth. Alright? It's, it's a quotation from Zechariah chapter 8 verse 16. We'll try to see what is going on over there. These are the things that you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. That is what the quotation is. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice and peace. Judge yourself. And one of the things that God is doing progressively in our lives in order to conform us back to his image is to take away the lies from our hearts systematically because there are so 
many lies in our lives. So many, so many, so many. Systematically he is taking one lie. Out of one lie he is replacing every layer of the lie with the truth of the word of God. Keep that. What is lying? Everybody get get this word. What is it? Pseudo. Pseudo. You know the word pseudo, right? It's very common among. We'll try to understand what that is. But the very first thing you'll see in, in, in when the when the church is formed, what does the Holy Spirit want to get rid of? And Acts chapter 5. But Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Spirit? You have not lied to God, but lied to man, but to God. And then what happens to Ananias? Flat. Why? And what happens immediately? Great fear has come among all those who have witnessed this. You know why? Because the one lie was absolutely judged in the church. Otherwise, what will happen? Why should we speak the truth to one another? Because we are members of one another. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 15 to 17. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman does, that, who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings. All of us at different levels. For they increase only to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer, gangrene. It spreads. And therefore, take away all those things and keep on studying the truth. Replace the lies in your heart with the truth of the word of God. That is what how that is how you get transformed. Okay. What is lying in, in, in Greek again? Pseudos. You know what pseudo is actually? If you are in did some mathematics, you'll know you'll know what it, what pseudo is. We'll say, does this matrix have an inverse? It has a what inverse? Pseudo inverse. What is pseudo-inverse? Pseudo-inverse means it is not exact, it is approximate. We can't get the exact thing out of it. So what will we do? We will relax some constraints upon it so that we can get a solution. It's done in mathematics a lot of times. Pseudo. It's a lie. Does it have? No. What is it? Approximation. Relaxed. What did I use the word? Relaxed. Relaxed. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 to 19. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one yacht or one tittle will by no means pass from the law. Okay, till all is fulfilled. And verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one, what is it? Breaks. One of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great. Look at another translation. I like the other translation. It's the ESV translation. Verse 19 in ESV. Therefore, whoever relaxes. You know, when uh, the qualifying mark, you remember IITJ or MCU right exams? Okay, and let's say the cutoff mark is 90 marks in 90 out of whatever, 250 is your cutoff mark to qualify. Many people, <laughs> what happened? They don't qualify, so what do, the, what, do the, what do the authorities do? They relax the cutoff. Because there are so many seats, nobody to fill, nobody has qualified, so what do they do? Relax. And that's exactly what he's saying. What is pseudo? You relax. 
relax. Don't have to be so radical, brother. Why are you so exact? Because my God is exact. Be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. He is exact. He is not going to relax. He didn't say, I'm not. He said, in, in Romans chapter 3, he says, Do we therefore nullify the law through this faith? No, 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 no. On the contrary, we establish the law through this faith. He has not come to break the law. He says, I am not come to relax. In fact, if if any anything, I have actually come to make the benchmark even more higher, more atta- unattainable. You, say, you heard that it was said that you should not commit adultery. I say, for you, the cutoff mark is 90. My cutoff mark is 100. See? Relaxed. Lot of people relax. Relax. You know so many people, even in our own church, relax, constraints. I'll tell you what that is. What is sin? You know Greek? Hamarsha, missing the mark. So what is sin in essence is relaxing the standard of God. That is what it means. That is lying. And what has happened in many, many churches in order to bring the crowds, they've relaxed and relaxed and relaxed and relaxed and relaxed. The cutoff. Did you tell the sinner's prayer? No repentance, no change, absolutely shallow. One trouble that comes into their lives, they're gone. Why? You know why? They've relaxed and relaxed and relax the standard. And that is the reason why Jesus says, forever my word has been established in my heavens and I'm not even going to relax my word for my son. Nothing will be relaxed. So, if we say that we have no sin, that means how many of you have not relaxed in your life? So many of us have relaxed. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And therefore, what is sin? What is sin for a believer? Anything which is not from faith is what? Sin. Right? If anything which is not from faith is sin, how does faith come? Therefore, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how do we hear the word of God? Even as the day is approaching, what what do we do? We gather more and more. Why Then why is the church so empty on Wednesday? Because people have relaxed. Ah, it's okay. It's not that important. Tell me how many serious Bible studies are happening during the middle of the week in many churches. I was talked to one of my relatives the other day and he was talking about his church. And he said, you know what? We have only one Sunday service and we don't have serious Bible studies. And people are all over the place. And even if you have a Bible study, nobody comes. Because we have relaxed. We We thought it was not important. And therefore it's okay, it's okay not to come on a Wednesday, not to come on a Sunday, not to come for every Bible study. What does it tell me? Don't neglect opportunities to, 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 to listen to the word of God. You see, you can never do that. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I'm not boasting, no? How many times I missed on a Wednesday, I can count it on the fingers of my right hand. It is less than five. And I was working. So doing a PhD was a faculty. Married with two children. I used to travel. And those days I didn't even have a transportation, proper transportation. I used to travel for a meeting. And whenever I missed a meeting, I used to be loaded with guilt in my heart. I would miss it. And especially on a Wednesday. 
relaxed. What is sin? Sin is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, the anointed word, and if you think the pulpit is anointed, why are there people not here on a Wednesday or even on any any opportunity to listen to the word of God? Do you think that we have already come? We have arrived? No. They gather together how many times? How many times? Daily. 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 So that is sin. We relax. Constraints. That is how we lie. And we fall into deception. So basically that is how we deceive ourselves. How This is how we lie to ourselves by relaxing constraints and saying it is okay when it is not okay. It is not okay. The second way we deceive ourselves and relax or deceive ourselves, I'll show you this very interesting word. James chapter 1 verses 21 to 25. You know this. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word or the engrafted word, other translations, which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. Okay? But when you receive with meekness, what is the uh, proof or the, or the, uh, the proof that you have received the word with meekness? Be doers of the word and not hearers. Otherwise you will deceive yourself. You, in other words, you will relax another constraint. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the word, but I don't really have to completely obey. See? It's okay. I mean, slowly I can do it. Just think about it, no? When we listen to a message on a Sunday or a Wednesday, how many of us go back home and say, I mean, I want to do this, God. I mean, I have not attained I just want to change. How many of you cry out to God like that? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? You? That's what the mirror said. You? And ultimately there was a one who was born called Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who was the fairest of them all? Snow White. Ah. Mirror is the word of God. For, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. Look at this. He's not a what? Hearer? Everybody read that forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I like this, no? I'll show you a context. I'll try to explain this using an example. Remember Jesus, okay? Jesus is coming. He's entering into Jerusalem, sits on the donkey, enters into Jerusalem. They're all thinking that he's going to go into the, uh, into the, into Pilate's palace and kick him out and occupy the throne. But instead of going to the <laughs> to the palace, he goes to the temple and he lashes out all the money changers. That's exactly what he's doing in all of our lives. You know what is he doing? He's taking a whip and lashing out all the lies from our heart. And all the Pharisees are disturbed and they come to come to him and they say, By what authority are you doing this? Question. Jesus is a rabbi. So what does he do? He answers the question with a question. By what authority are you doing this? I will also answer, ask you a question. 
you answer me, then I will say, by what authority? The baptism of John, is it from man or is it from God? Okay. John Piper animates this beautifully. Then all the Pharisees go into a huddle like this. All baptism of John. Man or God? If you tell them, tell him that it is from God, he will say, why did you not believe? If he say it is from man, then the people will stone us because they think that John is a prophet. So what should we say? We'll tell him, we don't know. We don't know. You know what he says? I will also not tell you by what authority I am doing this, but I will tell you a parable. Okay? You got the context? So let's read it now. Let's read the parable. This is the parable. Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 to 31. I'm just positioning this parable in the context. Okay? Matthew chapter 21 verses 21, 28 to 31. What do you think? Okay? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and he said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. I like that. He went and he asked. He's calling his, his uh, father, sir. Like, pa, pa, like Ravi Zach says, he's calling his father, Pitaji. Pitaji, aapki agya sarankhopar. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Now tell me, when you see these two sons, what is that one phrase which is differentiating son one and son two? Read that please. This slide. Ah! Brilliant, I say. He changed his mind. What is repentance? Changing of mind. What is transformation? Changing of the mind. Especially the attitude of the mind. And what is the attitude? Rebellion to the word of God. Saying, okay, I mean, I don't like it. Okay, I'll go into it. I changed my mind. Something happened. Changed. Transformation took place. And then, they answer the, the answer. Let me see. The Pharisees all have right, <laughs> right answers, but no obedience. Then what happens? Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes get into the kingdom. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, even though, as you heard some time back, both of them had the same message. What you brood of vipers? He told the people, you brood of vipers. He told the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. Same message. One fellow said, what shall we do? We want to change. And what did they do? It was repentance through the public confession of sins and they were baptized. And they said, what shall we do? He said to the the soldier, he said to the soldier or to the police fellow, do not extort money. Be content with your wages. Change your mind. 
So for John came to you and you did not believe him, but the tax collector and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did, even when you, look at this, even when you saw that the tax collectors and the prostitutes were changing and coming into the kingdom, you saw a visible, uh, what do you call, examples of radical transformation. You know, we see visible ex- examples of radical transformation. You know that this guy was absolutely gone and he's suddenly changed like Zacchaeus. But what is, and when, even when you saw it, you did not afterwards what? Change your minds! Change your minds! And believe in Him. And therefore, you are not transformed. Think about it, no? How many of us have, how many of our minds have been changed? You know it, palpable. The decisions that you took five years back, Look at and you say, boy, what a fool I was, God. Boy, how could I even, how could I even think like that? <laughs> That's the thought we do get. How could I even think like that? You know, in the parable of the sower, it's very interesting, no? It's recorded in three places, by the way. You see several nuances in the parable of the sower, by the way. For those of who are in Romans Bible study, you, I went ahead of myself, okay? But that's was for today. Anyway, so you can listen to it again. Parable of the sower is there in three gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And there's one thing that happens in the parable of the sower where he sows the seed on the people on the wayside and he explains the people on the wayside, the seed falls on the people on the wayside and the birds of the air come and devour it. I used to always have this question, Lord, I mean, why did you allow the birds of the air to come and devour it? I mean, it's not fair. Why did you allow that? I mean, it's it's as if, you know, I'm just sowing a seed into you and suddenly without you doing anything, the birds of the air come. The Satan, I mean, birds of the air obviously symbolizing Satan. Satan comes and takes, steals the word and goes away. And I'm saying, Lord, why did you allow Satan to come and steal the word? Why? Have you ever asked that question? Why? Why does it happen that word gets preached on Sunday morning and then by the time we go out, it is gone. Why? How is it that words of the air come and just devour the word? No, just look at this. This is Mark's Gospel chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And then I said, Lord, why Lord? Why the, why do the birds of the air come and devour the word? You know, you need to do three gospel study. This is Luke's gospel chapter 8. Same. Look at what the nuance here. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, what fell? Some fell on the wayside and it was? Ah! Trampled on. And then the words of the air came and It's like this, you know? The word comes. Chah, no way. No way. I'm not going to obey. Chah, no way. Honor your father and your mother. No way. Work hard. No way. Submit your elders. No way. No way. 
See, it is the attitude that Satan sees. And also God sees and he sees that you have actually despised the word of God. And he says, you fellow Satan, come, take the word and go. Take the word and go. I'm allowing it. That is the reason why your attitude to the word of God, I don't, in other words, I don't want to change. Come on. This is too much. Now, one of the things that we in the men's prayer always are taught, and pastor keeps telling us, he says, guys, when you come to the word of God, if you want to learn, the attitude with which you have to come is the attitude of surrender. I used to always think, you know what surrender means? Acha acha. Surrender means Guru Sishya na. Acha. You know it. I don't know. Teach me. That's what I thought. And then God said, you know what? That is not what the attitude is. What is surrender? Surrender means even if the word is difficult and you have a million justifications not to obey, you will still choose to obey. Otherwise, you know what you have done? Without your knowledge. And that is the reason many of us, we don't even remember the word by the time we leave out of the window. We leave out of the church. You know why? Because we have trampled the word of God in our minds. The birds of the air have come. Taken the seeds. And have gone. You see that? You see, why does God compare the word of God to the seed. That's the first parable, right? In Matthew chapter 13, the first parable is the parable of the sower. What is the next parable? Parable of the weeds and the tares. And this master come and sows the seed. Right? Who is the seed? Ah! We are the seed. Isn't it interesting that the first parable is the parable of the sower where the seed is the word of God and the next parable is the word becoming flesh. We become the word of God. And Jesus said, except a grain of wheat falls and it dies, it will not bear fruit. And many people stop there. In the very first place, they are gone, disqualified because of this attitude, because they trample the word of God. Hmm. What is the attitude of a mind? Do you have surrender? See, what God requires from us is impossible. What is it? Impossible. Because the bar is here. But if you say, Lord, I'm willing. If there be first a what mind? Willing mind. Not according to what one does not have, but what according to one does have. My strength is very little, Lord, but I want to obey. Not your word, non-negotiable. What is your standard? Not up to the mark. Very relaxed. (laughs) But Lord, I want to attain. What is he going to do? We humble ourselves. You know what it says? If you being evil fathers can give good gifts to your children, how much more? Your father in heaven will give you the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is given to those who? To those who? Obey. 
not the hearers of the word, but to those who want to be the doers. So put away lying saints, all attitudes which hamper the growth of the word of God in your lives. Just take it away. Put that as top priority. Next. Let's go back to Ephesians. What is the second one we should put away? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. Or neither give place to the devil. Okay, we've looked at it in several contexts. But I just want to look at a nuance here. I want to look at the attitude behind. James chapter 4 verses 19 to 20. So then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, we looked at, I mean, one of the homeworks that pastor had given us is on the WhatsApp. Remember the WhatsApp? That do your homework as to what is righteous anger and what is not righteous anger. I'm not talking about righteous anger here. Yes, there is place for righteous anger. Okay. I'll talk about that. Whatever, whichever anger in your life works against the righteousness of God is unrighteous anger or vis-a-vis righteous anger. I want to look at anger as an emotion. Anger is an emotion. God is angry with the wicked how many days? Every day. But does he punish the wicked every day? Be angry but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. What is the attribute for us that that we should have to be angry and not to sin? What should the attribute that we should have? Anybody? Self-control? Yeah, control. Slow to speak. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Okay? Means the way that you get angry is through a process called a self-control. Mark's Gospel chapter 3. This is Jesus who is angry. What kind of anger is allowed? And he said to the man who who had the withered hand, step forward and he said to him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with Anger and being grieved. That is allowed. He's angry with them and he's like, oh my God, Lord, why don't they see what I mean? Self-control. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Does he punish the just? No. Unjust? No, 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 no. He does not. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come back to what? Change of mind. So what is it about anger? See, God is infinitely powerful, isn't he? 
he can be angry as i told you remember that famous scene in schindler's list i love that scene amon goeth and schindler conversation amon goeth is i mean schindler is asking amon goeth who's a concentration camp leader he's asking amon goeth why do you think the jews are afraid of us you know what amon goeth says they're afraid of us because we have the power to kill them and you know schindler looks at him and he says amon you call the power amen you call it power i'll tell you what power is amen i'll tell you what power is there was a there was a emperor and there was a subject in his empire who betrayed him and the emperor came to know that this guy betrayed him and also that guy came to know the he the emperor has come to know so he comes to the emperor and he starts pleading and he says oh master forgive me the emperor has every justification to slaughter it but he slaughter him but he lets him go that is power that is power oh my goodness i mean it's, i mean i heard that i had tears in my eyes i'm like oh my goodness this is this is this is what the essence of the gospel is isn't it that god can show his anger right away but he will not allow his sen- i mean he will not allow his power to overpower his character he's not constrained by he's not he's not driven by his emotions he's absolutely under control like this this is luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 46 jesus said somebody has touched me for i perceive what has gone what did oswald chambers say virtue remember oswald chambers i just want to connect that virtue has gone out of me look at the word virtue the word virtue in another translation the word virtue in the actual greek is dynamis or dynamite you know what jesus is saying somebody touch me because dynamite has gone out of me jesus said someone has touched me for i perceive that what has gone out of me power has gone out of me. what is virtue therefore power under absolute authority so is your anger under the absolute authority of your holy spirit that is what you what you talks about character power talks about display I remember we send we gets these messages every day you know mm. um, uh, i mean some, sometimes brother alan sends me and it, and and, it, and you have all those meetings that go on during the week and i just browse through them sometimes and there'll be one one guy do you want to do power ministry come to this meeting wish people could say do you want to do virtue ministry see virtue has got to do with character see jesus had incredible power isn't it but his virtue virtue is his character he will not allow his power to be displayed so so many people at the pool of bethesda uh 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 if i if he has to show off his power everybody be healed no 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 he goes to the specific guy and he says do you want to be healed the lady is only sleeping the girl is only sleeping talita kumi don't tell this to anybody watch mount of transfiguration he's transformed and it says that the brightness was brighter than the brightest of the whites i mean that's what the <laughs> well, that's what the bible says and peter says lord three tabernacles over here and god says shut your mouth peter and then he comes down and he says don't tell this to anybody until i have been glorified 
Amazing. That is virtue. That is virtue. That is virtue, saints. See another display of power. John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 4 to 8. Jesus, knowing that all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Jesus, Judas who betrayed him was also standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell. Pong. I mean, it's like the, he said, I am. Boom. They're all gone. I like that scene in, uh, in, 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 you've seen the Passion of Christ, they all fall down like that. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they're like, what hit me? That they take their helmets and they put it and they get up like that and they're just totally disoriented by the display of power. But you want to see power under control? You want to see virtue? So he asked them, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. If you seek me, let these people go. Don't do anything to them. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life to my for my sheep. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to pick it back again. But I will not display my authority anywhere. Because I am a man of virtue. Boy. You know, when, when you talk about virtue, you know what the Bible talks about? Who is the virtuous who? It talks about virtuous woman. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 4. You know the word virtue again? Here in this, in this, in what is the translation? The original Hebrew is strength, power. Do you want to know who is the most powerful woman? She is the one who is a crown to her husband. But you know who is the, the other kind of woman? Is the one who uses his power to torment her husband. That's what it means. You see? Ladies, you can display virtue or you can show off your Bible knowledge. What did I say? First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband so that even if they do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. You know all the word. And the Bible verses are coming out. There. And they're just like, they're getting into your magazine of your, of your, of the, of the gun of your tongue. And you want to shoot them. Don't speak. They may be one without a word when they see your respectful and pure conduct. It says, other translations, coupled with fear. That is virtue. How many virtuous women here in the house of God and on whoever is listening online? Virtuous woman. Are you virtuous woman? You can make life miserable to your husband, Baba. By going off on different tangents, misusing words. What about husbands? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing Honor to them as a weaker vessel. Handle them with care. Don't say, I'm the boss, even though you are. You see that? Virtue? Power under control? What about slaves? Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. Because God reigns on the just and the unjust. And if you want to be the sons of the living God, be subject to your masters who are also unjust. Don't go and hartal. Watch you. 
Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. Masters, provide yourselves slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. In other words, be merciful to your employees. Don't take advantage of them. If you have been watching the news, I can give you a classic example from the secular realm. A man of virtue. You already know whom I'm talking about. Excuse me. Infosys, kya baat hai? Ah, sister, you're just brilliant. I mean, you just read my mind. You know why Infosys? I'm, I'm, taking, I'm talking about Infosys, okay? I like the man Naran Murthy and one of the reasons why I like him is because he is an alumnus from the same university. Both of us are from the... Did a master's. We were in the same hostel. He was, of course, my super duper senior. But, Naran Murthy. You know, this a major, 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 major media backlash that is going on. There's a lot of things going on and Infosys shares have come down, etc., etc. And you go through the, uh, through the, through those interviews and cross talk, etc. You'll see this guy called Vishal Sikka. Okay, by the way, Naran Murthy quipped, okay, in one of his opening speeches, you know what it says, Sikka means money, Vishal Sikka means lot of money, and this is exactly Vishal Sikka, what he, you know what he, Vishal Sikka recently resigned, and he cited some, some reasons. Now, I'm not saying, you know, whether Naran Murthy was right in doing the way he did it, but I'll tell you something, how he started the company. You should know the, the roots of this man. He came up with a concept called as compassionate capitalism. He told the board members, when they started the company, he told the board members, he said, you know guys, you, you need to understand one thing. When we have started the company, one of the principles by which we will live is we will live austere lifestyles. Austere means not flamboyant lifestyles. Frugal lifestyles. Thrifty lifestyles. Simple living. We will not take exorbitant salaries for ourselves and make our employees take less salaries. The salary cap between us and them will not be high. And you know, the difference will not be high. And he established the company in 1981. And those days, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a different ball game altogether. Getting a license was not, was not that easy. It was very, very difficult to get license. And there was a time in his life when a company from America said, we want to buy Infosys for one million dollars. And all the board members came together and he said, what do you want to do? They all said, I think we should buy. We should allow them to, we should sell, rather. Everybody said, we should sell, we should sell, we should sell, we should sell. And you know what Narayan Murthy said? He said, you know what? I don't want to sell. Can I buy you all? And everybody in the board knew that this guy had no single paisa in his bank. He was building the company with a simple lifestyle. And when they heard it, they were all so cut. They were ashamed of themselves. And they come and say, you know what, we are with you. And the very next year, Manmohan Singh came into the government and he relaxed the whole thing and that is when the economic revolution took place and Infosys went from rags to riches overnight. And you know what he did? He maintained that frugal lifestyle. He said, CEOs should not take very high salaries for themselves. Two thousand fourteen, with 12% stake on the show, on the shares, he says, I want to quit the board. And he quits the board. And he goes out, gives way to the new leadership and come in comes Mr. Lot of Money. 
first thing he does recently, his salary goes from rupee 6 crore to rupee 64 crore. He's going in private jets and immediately Naran Murthy says, you know guys, and, 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 and everybody, the argument in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the press is, you know what, this man Naran Murthy is old guard. He's not, he's against innovation. He is against new technology. No, he's a, he's from IIT Kanpur. Come on, come on. What are you talking about? He's from, he's my alumnus. He's not against technology. He's against your attitude of exorbitant living. He's talking about that. And he was telling the company, Mr. CEO, Infosys is not an American company. It is an Indian company. And most of the employees are Indian. And you cannot take exorbitant paypacks for yourself. Question, and you know it, the story. Of course, the way, the way he did it possibly could have been better. But it raises a very, and you know what it tells me, right? Look at the man in the world, he's got such incredible ethics. He says, we have to live frugal, austere lifestyle so the people who are under us don't think that we are, ex- we are exploiting them. In fact, we have to give them shares in our own company. That if we, if they succeed, we succeed. And we don't show off. I mean, think about it. Now, if many, many leaders in Christian, Christian circles, if they think like that, how different the church would be. Oh, send me money, brother, for my private jet. Really? I'm not going to send my money for your private jet, brother. People are without virtue because they want to display power. James chapter 5. Come now you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and the corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which which you kept back by fraud cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Shabbos. You lived in earth with luxury and pleasure. You fattened your hearts in, as in a day of slaughter. You have, you, you have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. You know what God says? But that day, you're in. How many of us can really ask God, Lord, give me Lord. I want to give away. That is the reason most of us, we ask, we do not receive. Why? You know why we don't receive? Is because we want to spend it on our own lusts and our pleasures. We want to display. We want to display. We want to show off. That is the attitude. Authority, virtue. How many virtue? People of virtue. How many of us really want to be people of virtue in these last days? One more thing, or maybe we'll stop here. It's almost time, 8.30. Are there people of worship? Put off anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Um, John Piper said, why? Don't give place to the devil. You know why? John Piper made this very powerful statement. He said, if a husband and a wife fight, the onus is on the spiritual head of the house to take the first initiative to make peace. Because he is the one who stops the powers of darkness to come into the family. But most of them times what happens? Husbands are 
people without virtue. Why should I be the first to come and apologize? Hey, say sorry. Even if it is not your fault. Show yourself to be a man of virtue. Because it's not about you. It's about God. Okay, we'll possibly continue later on, even as time permits and opportunities arise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. You're a good God. Mercy and yours forever. I pray, Lord, the word that you have spoken to our hearts, Father, we'll find root, bear fruit. And bring glory to your name. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.